Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week, because it's Ganesh Chaturthi, we discuss the various stories about the different births of Ganesha, the Lord of Obstacles, and one of the main deities of the Vedic tradition. Did you know that there is a different form of Ganesha for each of the four yugas? As always, this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web, and this month we have Pitrapaksha Yagyas in Varanasi. They're traditional Vedic rituals to support our ancestors. There's lots of information on the website, so be sure to check it out. Ganesha, Ganapati, Vigneshwara, all of these are names of one of the most beloved of the gods. Interestingly, Ganesha is not only popular in India, but his presence is also felt throughout the Far East because traders took him along on their journeys starting back in the 10th century. Ganesha is found throughout the Malay Peninsula, and images are found in the traditional art of Java, Bali, and Borneo, as well as Thailand, Cambodia, Burma, and Vietnam. Interestingly, one source says that prior to the arrival of Islam, Ganesh worship was very popular in Afghanistan, and Ganesh is found in Tibet, China, and Japan. Ganesha is the son of Shiva, having been created by his mother Parvati to stand guard at her door while she relaxed in a bath. Shiva, who had been away, knew nothing of this creation of his wife and arrived at her door, wanting to be let in, but with the strange young man saying no. And Shiva, being a little bit hot-tempered, was in no mood to argue and simply cut off his head. Well, his wife, Parvati, heard the commotion and came out to see what all the fuss was about. And much to her dismay, Ganesha was lying there headless, and Shiva was suddenly panicked at the error he had obviously just made, no matter how innocent he might have been. So he immediately sent his servants out to find the first creature who was sleeping with his head to the north. But all the servants could find was an elephant, and so Ganesha ended up with the head of an elephant. Now that's the usual story that we hear about the birth of Ganesha, but there are other interesting stories about his birth that come from the Ganesha Purana, and there's an entirely different set of stories from the Mudgala Purana that we will cover in our next podcast. These stories are very different from the usual story of Parvati's bath because they suggest that Ganesha takes different forms in different yugas in order to reestablish Dharma by slaying various demons in much the same way that Vishnu does. So here are the incarnations and stories from the Ganesh Purana. In Krita or Satyuga, he takes the form of Mahotkata Vinayaka. In this form, he has ten hands and is dazzling with brilliance rides on a lion, and he kills Narantak and Devantak Asuras. In Treta Yuga, he is known as Sri Mayuresh, and has six hands and a fair complexion. He rides a peacock and fights the demon Sindhu. In Dwarpa Yuga, he is known as Sri Gajan Gajanana, and has four hands and is crimson-colored and rides a mouse and he fights the demon Sindur. And in Kali Yuga, he is known as Sri Dumraketu. He has two hands, rides on a horse, and has the color of smoke. 
and he fights numberless demons. Once, along the banks of the Ganges, there was a pious rishi by the name of Rudraketu and his wife Sarada. After some time they were blessed with the birth of two sons, whom they, na they named Devantaka and Narantaka. At first all seemed to be well, and the boys were handsome, strong, and bright. They did very regular worship of Lord Shiva, but being born to a rishi is apparently no guarantee of proper behavior, and eventually Shiva came to visit them one day, was so pleased at these fine young men that he gave them a boon. And, of course, I suppose being human, they wanted more power. No one, man, angel, god, or demon, nor beast, could kill them. So you'd think they might know better, but soon their power went to their heads, and they ended up conquering the three worlds, heaven, earth, and the underworld, with Narantak assuming control over the underworld, and Devantaka taking over heaven and earth. And, of course, the two brothers ran amok throughout creation, causing all sorts of trouble. And Ganesh decided to come to Earth to take care of business. Now, at this time, there was another rishi named Kashipa, who was the subject of a recent podcast. And he had a wife, Aditi, whom you will recall was the mother of all of the devas. But Aditi loved Ganesha especially, and so she did Ganesh mantras, as instructed by her husband, and eventually Ganesha came to her and assumed the form of a normal human child. He was exceptionally strong in appearance, and Kashapa named him Mahotkata. All the rishis in the neighborhood came to view this exceptional child. Eventually, the king of Kashi heard about this as well, and when his son was to be married, Kashapa sent his child back with the king to bless the wedding. On their way back through the forest, they came across a clearing and suddenly they were surrounded by a strange bright light. Mahotkata jumped out of the chariot and ran towards the source of the light, which was coming from a demon by the name of Dumraksha, who had been practicing austerities and had won the boon of a weapon from Surya, the sun. Mahotkata had grabbed the weapon just before it reached the possession of Dumraksha and immediately killed him with it much to the surprise of the king, who, of course, did not know that this was indeed Ganesha in human form. When they arrived in Kashi, there were a few weeks before the wedding, and apparently Mahotaka spent his time playing sports and winning everything in sight with displays of strength, speed, and stamina that not even Michael Phelps could have equaled. Narantak was the demon of the underworld, and he heard about this young man, and came to see what the fuss was all about. Of course, they did battle, and Ganesha, in the form of Mahotika, won easily and killed the demon. But his brother, Devantak, could not tolerate the killing, and he sent eight of his most powerful demons to attack and destroy the kingdom of Kashi. Ganesha, as Mahotika, created eight goddesses, each of which manifested one of the eight great siddhis, and together they destroyed all of Devantaka's armies. So in the end, it was mano a mano, Mahotaka versus Devantaka. And for a while it was a fair fight, but then Devantaka was worried about losing, and he started to fight using black magic. And apparently this was crossing a line, because immediately Ganesh changed into his divine form, 
and confronted the demon. In the fight that followed, Devantika grabbed a hold of Ganesha's tusks, and as Ganesha pushed him to the ground and gored him with one tusk, the tip of the other one was broken off. After the battle, Ganesha stayed in Kashi to bless the marriage of the king's son, and then returned to, he to see his parents, Aditi and Kashipa. They were very sorry to see him go, but he said that whenever anyone remembers and honors the Divine Mother, then he too is present. He explained to Aditi and Kashipa that he had fulfilled the purpose of his incarnation, said goodbye, and returned to heaven. The next yuga is Treta Yuga, and there was a good king named Chakrapani who had a wife whose name was Ugra. Now, this is funny in its own right, because Ugra means fierce, angry, crabby. I'm not sure that it, what the queen was really like this, and if she was, I'm not sure you would want to call her that as her name, but it seemed that they got along fine, except that they had no child. So they contacted the sage Sautika, who told them to do a year-long meditation ritual to the sun. Soon thereafter, she was pregnant, but after some time, she became more and more uncomfortable as the child grew inside of her. But her discomfort eventually turned to pain, and the temperature inside her grew hotter and hotter and more and more unbearable. Eventually, she and her nurses went to the ocean, and she abandoned her unborn fetus in the ocean. But since Treta Yuga was a somewhat more magical time, the boy continued to grow in the ocean, and he grew so strong and powerful that all the sea creatures were afraid of him. Eventually the sea god, presumably Varuna, had to step in to protect his kingdom, and he took the child back to the king, who was understandably overjoyed. The boy was named Sindhu because of his birth on the seashore, and he grew very quickly, was greatly intelligent, and devoted particularly to the sun god. One day, Surya gave him some very powerful weapons, which made the boy invincible. Shortly thereafter, satisfied that his son was ready, the king gave him his kingdom and retired to the forest with Ugra, his wife. Well, once again, the son became full with the expanded powers that he had, and he used his invincibility to conquer the three worlds. He, as a practitioner of meditation, invoked Lord Vishnu, and asked him to come live in his city. At the same time, Shiva came down to earth and was living in some remote place with Parvati and his retinue of attendants called the Ganas. He was meditating one day when Parvati asked him who he was meditating on. Oh, said Shiva, I'm meditating on he who is the supporter of the entire universe. Well, I'd like to see him too, said Parvati. So Shiva taught her the Bija mantra for Ganesha, gum, and they meditated together. Well, she enjoyed it so much that she went to a very private place and sat and meditated continuously with this mantra for twelve years, after which time Ganesha appeared before her and asked her what she would like. Well, without a moment's hesitation, she said, I'd like you to be my son, so I can always see you and enjoy your presence. Ganesha agreed and some time later appeared. Shiva named him Gunesha, meaning he, who was the repository of all great qualities, Gunas. There's a very unusual story about him. It seemed 
that when Ganesha was still a child, he was out playing in a mangrove grove with some friends, and they were eating the ripe fruits and throwing the seeds at one another. When one of the seeds struck a woman, a human woman, who was sitting in a tree guarding a very large egg. She came out and started yelling at them for disturbing her, and Ganesha climbed the tree to see the egg. As he picked up the egg, it cracked, and a huge peacock came out and immediately jumped down in search of something to eat. The bird was large enough and hungry enough to chase after the boys and to try to eat them. But Ganesha jumped on the bird and, after some struggle, brought it under control. Seeing all that had happened, the woman went to Ganesha and said, I am Vinata, wife of Kashyapa, and this bird is my son. My husband told me that the person who broke it, the egg would be its master. So please now help my other sons who are being held captive by serpents in their kingdom. Which Ganesha did in due time, riding the big bird, which had been given the name Mayur. So Ganesha was now known as Mayuresh, the ruler of Mayur. Well, Mayuresh was so powerful and successful that Brahma, the creator, came to offer his two daughters, Siddhi and Buddhi, to him in marriage. But Mayuresh was not interested until he had completed his mission to kill Sindhu. Of course, there was a battle, and as might be expected, Mayuresh was victorious. Afterwards, he expressed his desire to leave the earth, and Parvati asked when she might again have the pleasure of having him as her son. He said that he would return in Dwapara Yuga in order to kill the demon Sindur, and his brother Kartikeya, also known as Subramanian, said that he wanted to go with him no matter where he was going. But Mayuresh said to him rather tenderly, where, I am, where am I going that could be away from you? I am the inner consciousness of all beings, so I am in your heart at all times. And he gave his peacock, Mayur, to his brother, and from that day on, Kartikeya rides on the peacock as his vahana, or mount. One day in Dwapara Yuga, Shiva went to pay a visit to Brahma, the creator, but Brahma was taking an afternoon nap, and when Brahma awoke, he yawned and stretched, but he failed to cover his mouth, as would be polite, and suddenly out from his yawning face emerged a powerful being who roared so loudly that creation itself shook. Brahma, who must be used to these strange events, simply said, Who are you, and what do you want? Well, the being was rather insulted and said, You are the knower and creator of everything. How can you ask such a question? I'm your son, bored, born from your rudely yawning face. Please give me a name, tell me where to live, and tell me what should I eat. Brahma, as you may know, is usually somewhat overly generous, and in his embarrassment and amazement at this sudden appearance, gave the son the name Sindur, because he had a pink complexion. And he gave him power over all the worlds, and said that whomever could catch a hold of him in anger would immediately shatter into a hundred pieces. So Sindur went off to check out the universe, and as he was traveling about, he started thinking about the powers that he had been given, and he wanted to try them out. So he went back to Brahma and said, 
I'd like to try my out. I'd like to try my strength on you. Let's fight. But Brahma sensibly declined, saying, "My son, I was enticed by your great power and beauty, and so I was perhaps overly generous. I did not know that your mind was not pure. Lord Ganesh will have to incarnate as Gajanan, and destroy you." This was perhaps not the best thing to say to a hot-tempered son you have just given great powers to, and Sindur started to chase Brahma all over creation, trying to catch him so he'd see if he could break him into a hundred pieces. Finally, Brahma took refuge in the world of Vishnu, and Vishnu spoke to the young man, saying, "Your father is an old man; it will not do for you to fight him." Sindur replied, "Well, then you fight me." Well, Vishnu was not really expecting this, and thinking fast, said, "Well, you see, it would not be a proper fight. I'm a satvic person, the maintainer and protector of the universe, so I would not be a proper opponent for someone as powerful as you. But Shiva, he's the destroyer. That's the power to challenge your abilities." So off Sindar went to Mount Kailash to find Shiva, and enjoy a good test of his abilities. But when he got there, all he saw was Shiva, meditating with his matted hair, lost in meditation, oblivious to the world. But soon he saw Parvati, who was exceedingly beautiful. So he grabbed her and carried her away. Well, of course she resisted, and all of the Ganas, the army of Shiva, tried to come to her rescue, but to no avail. Shiva, who was aroused from his meditation by the commotion, emerged with a bright red face, full of anger. But Shiva's anger, once aroused, is very difficult to control, and Parvati was worried at what might happen. So she recalled the promise of Mayuresh that he would be born to her again in this yuga, and so immediately he appeared between Shiva and Sindur, and dispatched Sindur to the underworlds with ease. But down there, things only got worse. The demons loved him. And he organized quite a demon army, which went around tormenting various parts of the universe, until the gods, in their helpless desperation, began singing hymns to Ganesha to come and rescue them. Almost immediately, Parvati began to show signs of pregnancy, and a short while later, a young child was born. But after he was born, she noticed he had a rather large, bulging head, <coughs> small eyes, very large ears, short legs. A gigantic belly and a rather elongated nose. Well, Parvati was very distressed because she thought of him in his divine form, and not this misshapen elephant-like child. Shiva reminded her that this was his external appearance only, and that each time he takes a form, his appearance changes, but his essence remains unchanged. And immediately the little child spoke up and agreed with Shiva. And then explained that he had also promised to be born to King Varanya and Queen Pushpika. And please hurry, he said. The queen is lying unconscious after the stress of labor, and a demoness has stolen her baby. You must get me there so that she thinks I am her child. It is vital to my mission to destroy Sindur. So they secretly made the switch, but all did not quite go as planned. When Queen Pushpika came to her senses, she saw the child, but was aghast at the hideous appearance, with four arms and an elephant's nose and a red complexion. And even the court astrologer predicted that the child would be the cause of the downfall of the king's dynasty. 
So they took the child deep into the forest and abandoned him there. Fortunately, the Maharishi Parashara lived nearby, and he found the young child and recognized his divine essence, so he eagerly brought him back to the ashram to raise him as his own. Having a rishi as an adoptive father has its benefits, and Gajanan was a great student, eagerly learning everything that Parashara had to teach him. One day, when he was nine years old, a huge mouse appeared at the ashram and was destroying everything around. Even the rishi with all his power was helpless. But when young Gajanan came into the room, the mouse looked at him and immediately dived into a hole, fleeing to the underworld. But Gajanan, who happened to be holding a rope at the time, made a noose and lassoed the mouse, dragging it back up out of the hole. Gajanan sat on the mouse, subdued it, and made it his vahana, or mount. As Gajanan sat on him, the mouse told his story. He explained that he was once a Gandharva, a celestial musician. One night I was rushing out of Indra's palace when I stumbled over the Rishi Vamana. You know how irritable Rishis can be, and he cursed me to be born as a mouse. When I protested that the punishment was too harsh for one who had simply made a mistake, Vamana said that if I were to journey to the ashram of Parashara, that Gajanan would tame me and use me as his vahana so that I would be worthy of worship by all men and gods. And so to this day, Gajanan is always shown riding on a mouse. As you'll recall, Gajanan had four hands, and with them he picked up an amkusha, which is a goad used to control elephants, a parasu, an axe, a pasha, a rope, and a padma, a lotus blossom. Carrying all these simple weapons, Gajanan engaged Sindur in battle and defeated him, returning to heaven immediately afterwards. In the last yuga is Kali Yuga, our wonderful yuga in which it is said that People will be short-lived, and our minds will be laden with materiality, sensuality, and negativity. Chaos will be pervasive and uncontrollable. But it is also said that Kali Yuga is the time when one can make maximum spiritual progress simply through mantra repetition, through meditation, or mantra japa. No other yuga yields such fast results as Kali Yuga, perhaps because so few people pursue a genuinely spiritual path. In Kali Yuga, Ganapati takes the form of Dumraketu. He has a smoky complexion and rides on a horse. Well, it's interesting to note how unique all these accounts are, and we'll continue in the next podcast with stories from the Mudgala Purana, which have a very fine spiritual orientation. And for chanting this week, we'll start with the very brief Ganapati Dhyanam, followed by a lovely instructional selection of Ganesha Stuti, in which each verse is sung slowly by the teacher first, and then is repeated by a young girl who is the student. And it's great fun. You can't avoid, you can't help but sing along, even if horribly imperfect. And that'll be all for this week. The next podcast will follow really quickly as it forms part two of this series. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Ganabadi Dhyanam.
ಶೈತಾಧ್ಯಂ ಯ ಪಠೇನ್ ನರ ತ್ರಿಸಂಧ್ಯಂ ಯ ಪಠೇನ್ ನರ ಲಭತೆ ಮೋಕ್ಷಾರ್ಥೀಲ ಗತಿ ಮೋಕ್ಷಾರ್ಥೀಲ ಗತಿ